Hello, nerd herders. You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze the eighth episode of Chuck, Chuck versus the Truth. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Go Chuck Podcast and email us at Go Chuck Yourself Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, you don't need a supercomputer in your head to like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You just need one in your hand. So don't forget to like and subscribe. You don't want to miss out on any further episodes. As a reminder, Aaron and I do record this show over video chat, so please excuse any audio hiccups or bleep bloops that you might hear. As a result of that, we are working to improve the sound quality, and we appreciate your understanding. And now, without further ado, here we go! here once again for another episode of Go Chuck Yourself, the only show dedicated to talking about the television show Chuck over a decade after it has been, uh, or that it premiered on the air. Uh, I am Chris Gillespie. I'm Erin Arata, and I didn't interrupt you this time. You did not interrupt me. Thank you. You gave me all the time that I needed. Uh, this, like I said, the show is called Go Chuck Yourself. It is not uh, what... Catherine's father thought my show was called when she was talking to him about it on the phone just now. He heard Go Touch Yourself. <laughs> That's our show. Welcome to Go Touch Yourself. <laughs> I'm not even, uh, I mean, with fancy editing, you could probably splice me saying, welcome to Go Touch Yourself, and then my name is Chris Gillespie somewhat together, so it sounds like that's what I'm hosting, and I guess that would be pretty, pretty damning blackmail. Uh, I mean, you just said it, so I'm going to use that. I don't even need to splice. Well, you're the co-host of Go Touch Yourself. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. If I, if I had a, sh- a podcast called Go Touch Yourself? <laughs> Every time you say it, it's so funny. I guess it would uh, be a, a celebration of, uh, well, masturbation. I mean, it could be something completely innocent. It could be, like, about the sensation of touch. Oh, that's that's so sweet and pure. See, this is why I like hanging out with you and I like doing the show with you, because you have such a wholesome mind. Yep, that's me. I drink a lot of milk. Is that what makes you wholesome? Are you drinking whole milk? Yes. I thought you were lactose intolerant. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how... This is, we're not doing a bit right now. I didn't just, like, question Aaron's yes and. I... It, she is lactose intolerant, so I'm I absolutely lactose intolerant. I am. I am dairy free. It's oat milk that I'm drinking. How is the show not us just talking about our lactose intolerance? I think that's probably what our real calling should be. You know, there's like there is a very weird and very real correlation between podcast hosts and having like irritable bowels. Really? Yeah. Chuck's line, "Very beautiful girl, very spastic colon," should really be podcast host spastic colon that doesn't work as well but there is a correlation i listen to at least three other podcasts where they talk often about issues interesting well i think when you're on the toilet a lot you really have a lot of time to reflect and kind of develop thoughts that you then can articulate later that's true maybe we've cracked it maybe we have maybe who knows we could be sitting on toilets right now web chatting that's that's true i think that could be a good uh concept episode down the road maybe yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, what, what number? I mean, we already passed episode number two, so I guess we can't do it for that one. Mm. Mm, 
missed opportunity. I guess 22 because there'd be two twos. Ah, all right. Look forward to that, guys. We're just isolating everyone. This is not usually how the show goes. We're very highbrow, usually. It's a lot of uh, literary devices, a lot yeah. of clever wordplay, not, not a lot of bathroom talk. So I apologize if you're offended by the bathroom talk. That's not what we do here on Go Touch Yourself. I mean, Go Touch Yourself. <laughs> Moving on, did you know that on the season one DVD set of Chuck, it comes with a uh, free demo of EA Sports Madden NFL uh, 2009 for the Xbox 360. That's really weird. Why does it? Why does it do that? It, to give people just a taste of Madden 09. Did you play it? No, I don't have an Xbox, and they have no interest in Madden 09, or Madden any number for that matter. Well, you know what I have to say to the people who put it on that DVD. I I think I I know what you're gonna say, but go ahead and say it. Go check yourself. There we go. This is episode eight, Chuck versus the Truth. It is a, it's a real crazy one. So we're not going to spend a lot of time dwelling in the bathroom. Uh, I think we're going to dive right into the episode because there's so much to talk about and figure out and unravel and analyze. And uh, do you have any other verbs you want to throw in there? Pick apart. Pick apart. There's so much to pick apart. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about episode eight, Chuck versus the Truth. Hang tight. Oh, my bells. Just like we said, we'd be back. We're getting ready to talk about episode eight of Chuck. Chuck versus the truth. We're going to dive right into it. Aaron. So the episode starts with a man who I swear to God is my first New York City superintendent. He looks very, very, very much like the man who lived in my basement with his eight daughters and once took a phone interview for a new job while on a ladder fixing a light in our kitchen. That's, that's this man. There has been nothing to disprove that, Chris. I, I thought it was Rowan Atkinson. I, yeah, that's, that's fair. He also kind of looked like Tony Shalhoub. It could be any of those three men, but it's definitely my super. Um, he's being poisoned by a man who kind of looks like he should be like the host, I guess not host, but like the uh, main guy on a CSI somewhere, maybe CSI DC. Um, his name is Payne. We don't find that out later, but I'm going to tell you now so it's not confusing. I appreciate that. I think this man could also play in an upcoming Spider-Man movie. Perhaps in the MCU, I think this man could portray uh, the Spider-Man villain Hammerhead. Are you familiar with Hammerhead? No, I'm not, but I could see why you would say that. Okay, good. His name is Payne. He wants my former super to give him some codes. He apparently has a poison that initially makes you truthful and then it kills you. We don't know what kind of code it is. Could be a cheat code. Could be anything. We don't know. We cut immediately to Sarah and Chuck. Chuck is saying he's scared and Sarah is kind of comforting him and saying like, I'll be there right with you the whole time. And I really liked this scene because it has the exact same coloring and looks to be in a similar location as the opening scene. So even though we can kind of guess it's not related to the beginning, the transition is really smooth. Did you notice that? I did. It's that classic uh, Chuck switcheroo. Yeah, it was really cool. Or should I say, wait, hold on, Aaron, are you sitting down? Yes, I'm sitting down. Okay, you're sitting down? All right. Hold on, everyone at home, make sure you're sitting down. I'm sitting down as well. I'm going to stand up, though. I think this was an example of a Chuck's deposition. Ooh! 
Thank you, everyone. All right, you can stop listening now. We can turn off the episode. That's all your friends clapping. That's a round of applause. You have, uh, I'm just, I'm getting a phone call. You've just won a Pulitzer? I did, really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I, I, I kind of thought it would happen sooner, but yeah, I guess I'll take it. That's fine. Great. Now that you're a Pulitzer winner, we got to continue with our recap. Um, it turns out that Chuck and Sarah are talking about going to sushi with Ellie and Devin the next day. I don't know why they're talking about it now when it's the next day, but that's fine. Wait, hold on a second. You don't talk about things a day before they happen? I would talk about them on the day. Why are they getting all stressed out the day before? It's called planning. Chuck's a very busy man. He should be at work. I don't know why he is in the Wienerlicious supply closet with Sarah. Other than that, he's in love with her, which comes up. Um, they're, as I said, they're talking in the Wienerlicious supply closet and the boss is back, baby. He's knocking on the door. And to cover up suspicion, Sarah kind of like unbuttons her shirt and gets on top of Chuck and kisses his neck. She could have like not done that. Like it would have been fine if she didn't do that, but like Chuck is happy about it. If we, uh, for those of you who this might be your first time listening, welcome. I apologize I didn't welcome you at the top of the show. Uh, but the way that Sarah's boss works is that uh, Sarah was once the sole, pro- pro- sole proprietor of this Wienerlicious shop, which is a hot dog store in a strip mall in Burbank, California. But she realized that was kind of odd and she, was, she needed a little help. So as part of her cover, she hired this man to be her boss. And in that moment, she lost control of the Wienerlicious. So she's no longer the boss, but secretly she still has the upper hand on this man who, did you catch his name? Uh, Scooter? Zip Scooter, everyone. We got his name for Sarah's boss. It's Scooter, the old Scoot Scoot. I love him so much. He just rips through this episode. He's in a, I'd say a, a hearty 15 seconds of this episode, which is at least- he might be the true star. I, <laughs> to get Scooter's name, I paused and, uh, and rewound and everything to try to zoom in on his name tag. And I finally got it. I'm glad. But on top of this, Scooter tells us the name of the founder of Wienerlicious. Does he? I didn't hear that. Yeah. This part is actually what I kept rewinding for. It's, uh, it's here Wienerlicious. Oh. It's like a German name or an Austrian name. Yeah. Wow. So, so that means Wienerlicious is not a pun on delicious wieners. It's a, a historic family name. That's amazing. I did not notice that at all. Sarah's deep into it. She's got this whole family involved from overseas. <laughs> twist after twist. Twist after twist. What do you think Scooter's last name is? I mean, do you think he's a Wienerlicious? Do you think she recruited him all the way from Austria? Sure, yeah. I wanted to say, definitely adding credence to our theory, when he catches Sarah on top of Chuck, he says, wow, a woman on top. And I thought this was definitely a reference to the fact that she is his boss and he's throwing a little bit of subtle shade. Like he's saying, wow, like you're kind of on top of me as like my boss figure, but actually I'm on top of you because you hired me. It's clearly a reference. Right. And he does look directly into the camera when he delivers that line. Yes, he does. So we head back to the Buy More. Chuck is at uh, Manning the Nerd Herd station, and who shows up but Rachel Bilson. I was so excited. I knew she was in this, but I didn't know she came so soon. She's, she's looking great. She's so fun. Um, her name is Lou. Her mannerisms and kind of like the way that she looks reminded me a lot of how like Ellie looks and acts, which was kind of weird, but Chuck seems into it. She's really upset because her phone won't turn on or 
something kind of like that. And she lists all these things that are on her phone and she says she can't go back to who she was before her phone. And having recently gone to several Apple stores, I can definitely relate to this. The I key fell off of my keyboard and I cried for a long time. The I key fell off of your iMac? I mean, they're not called iMacs, Chris. Just because you have a PC doesn't mean you have to be dumb. Willfully ignorant. In my time of need, I am suffering. I'm just moving on. Maybe you don't have to say so selfish and you kept, didn't keep hitting the I key over and over again. I this, I that. Maybe if you use the U key for once, maybe you wouldn't have this issue. That's fair. Hey, did you realize that the U key is next to the I key? I did. I, uh, I had a lot of, um, I guess they were at memes, icons on AIM that had to do with the U and the I key. Oh, would you have like away messages that were like, you and I belong together? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I had. At underdog queen of the nerds. Yep. That's, those were the two things in my away message. That's what I thought. So Chuck uh, continues to prove that he goes above and beyond for his customers. He, um, because Rachel Wilson is freaking out, he asks her to go to her happy place and we see some kind of attraction between them because she closes her eyes and she's picturing something and he gets kind of amused by that. She describes a sandwich, which made me really hungry. Um, and then she says she owns a deli at the mall, but later in the episode we find out it's really more of a gourmet Italian restaurant in the Buy More Plaza. So this means that Chuck has attracted yet another female small business owner. That's true. What is the subtext of women owning these restaurants, these small restaurants, these organizations, and then coming up to Chuck? Do you think the sandwich shop was like meant to be an intentional parallel between Wienerlicious? I didn't think about that, but maybe. It just seems too spot on. Like she could have worked, she could work anywhere and she's the manager of a sandwich shop. Do you think hot dogs are sandwiches? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, I don't either. Moving on, Chuck tells her everything is going to be fine and that he'll fix her phone in a day, which is exactly not what Apple told me when I asked him to fix a single key on my keyboard, but oh well. I'm trying to get Apple on board to advertise, so if you could stop crapping on Apple all the time, or should I say crappling? I think that ship has sailed. I've built up a lot of goodwill this episode with my word play, and it's, I'm starting to lose that, so I'm going to be quiet for a little bit. Was that you trying to get Goodwill to sponsor us? Because I think there are easier ways. You have a connection already. I do have a connection to Goodwill, but they have no money to advertise, so. So Morgan shows up and he brings up some kind of weird morality things that I'm really sure that high school Aaron would have related to, but modern day Aaron, I'm not really sure. Um, he says that because Chuck spoke to Lou and was attracted to her, it means he mind cheated on Sarah. And I definitely remember this being like a theme in like TV that I watched in high school. Do you think it, do you think that still shows up nowadays? Is this still an idea or have we moved past it? I haven't watched a show geared towards high schoolers since. Uh, well, no, I don't even mean that. I, I mean like this show wasn't geared towards high schoolers. I just mean like on TV in general, do you see the idea like, oh, I, you talk to a beautiful woman, you are cheating on your girlfriend. Well, I think it's a difference between like, he wasn't just talking. I think Morgan was calling him out because he was a little, he was swooning a little bit over the girl. Like, it just wasn't normal talking. It was a little flirtatious. Okay. But, like, I think it's a little bit morally strict to say that just because he has been in a relationship for one month, he is not allowed to converse uh, positively with a member of the opposite sex. I'm fine with this. So you've been in California for two months and all of a sudden you're all like, ooh, free love, everyone belongs to one another. You can, you can do whatever to whoever. It's all free love, man, California. I guess that's what happened to me. 
I suppose so. Morgan says two gross things. So if you're following along playing bingo, um, if you have, I want to chew on her hair till I make myself sick on your sheet, you can mark that one off. I have that one. He marked, he says, um, he refers to Sarah's breasts as two big bells. So if you have that one, anybody, anybody have bingo? Not yet, but I feel like at this rate, we're going to get there pretty soon, Morgan. Pretty goddamn soon. So my former super is trying to, um, he's out and about now. He's been poisoned. He's kind of stumbling around, but he has to find these codes for pain. He finds some kind of a necklace that apparently has the codes in it or something like that. Um, as he's falling, we see a huge sign behind him that says postal service. So I think you're right that the, the people on Chuck have some kind of a fetish or they're trying so, so hard to get back in my dad's good graces. Anything that we can do to get your dad back on board with Chuck. Hi, dad. Hey, dad. You're not my dad. I don't know why I called you dad, but Aaron called you dad. So I thought that was weird. That was weird. Moving on. So we go to the sushi restaurant. Um, Devin is being really, really gross. And he says that it's old fashioned how slow Sarah and Chuck are taking things. And I hated the scene and I didn't want to write anything else about it. I was very upset. Uh, yeah, Awesome is very concerned about Chuck and Sarah uh, evidently not having a sex life. You know what I have to say about that? Not awesome. Yeah, it was kind of weird how obsessed he was with it. Yeah, um, we also have a thing where Devin and Ellie are being kind of all romantic and Sarah looks at them and kind of like seems to feel awkward and then she kind of puts her arm around Chuck a little bit awkwardly. And like she's a spy and we see her like lie and like may pick up characters like at many times throughout the series. So I don't know why she's like, she's just not kissing Chuck. Like, do you think it's because she actually likes him? She just feels weird about it? Uh, I don't know. It's very hard, especially in this episode, to figure out what Sarah's motives are, what her true true goals are, what she's actually looking for. It's hard to tell. It's hard to, uh, you might say, determine the truth. I would say that. So, hey, there was a shout out to L.L. Bean. Oh, the there was. Yeah. That's how uh, Awesome and Ellie met, was that he had used a pickup line that involved L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean, not yet a sponsor of the show, but I imagine that our outdoorsy vibe to the show and by outdoorsy I mean that I'm constantly sweating while we're producing the show so I may as well be hiking uh LL Bean we look forward to our long lucrative partnership with you can't wait LL Bean what is what is LL Bean's catchphrase just get out there get out there and do it get out there and do it LL Bean get out there and do it Make sure you log on to LLBean.com and use the promo code CHUCK. See if, see if anything happens. Yep. Let us know. So my super stumbles into Ellie, Chuck, and Sarah. And Ellie is a doctor, so she helps him because he's clearly, like, he's fallen over. He's been poisoned. Something is wrong with him. Chuck shouts, that's my sister, Eleanor Bartowski, because he's really excited that his sister is helping. And Payne is there, and he hears this. My super puts his code necklace or whatever into Ellie's pocket and Chuck looks at my super's ID and flashes on it and he realizes that he's bad and that Ellie has ridden off with him in an ambulance. Payne hears Chuck mention the guy being bad and he's like, hmm. So again, Chuck really needs to just get better at this. Why does this keep happening? He's putting people in danger by being dumb. He has a lot on his plate. That's fair. One of those things might be a sandwich, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, we cut to Chuck, Sarah, and Devin hanging out at their home. 
Ellie is apparently at the hospital with my super, which maybe makes sense, but I don't know, like, I get why she went with him to the hospital, but I feel like other doctors are maybe working there, and it was her night off, so I don't know why she stayed, but, you know, she's very dedicated. Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange that she hopped into the ambulance once it got there with him, and then they drove off with her in the ambulance. I mean, like, I could, like, I, yeah, no, I guess maybe the ambulance, maybe, like, my rationale was maybe because she had seen what happened, maybe she thought she was, like, the only one qualified to, like, really treat him, but yeah. it just seems unnecessary. She should, like, she's off the clock. Yeah, who cares if someone dies in front of you? Yeah, who cares? Devin tries to give Chuck a little, like, pep talk about sex, and I wrote it down in its entirety. He says, I know it's been a while since you've taken your bike out for a ride. It's time to oil up that rusty chain, hop on that seat, and start pedaling away, bro. You never forget how to ride. I want to make that my ringtone. Did I convince you? Do you feel pepped up now? I do. I bet they were both feeling pretty pepped up because they were both uh, drinking coffee during this whole scene. They should not be drinking coffee that late. Nope. They're going to be up all night. All night. All night. And Ellie's back from the hospital. The, uh, the guy died. The, uh, my former super. He's, he's dead now. I, I'm sorry for your loss. It's okay. We must push on. Chuck admits to Sarah that he's struggling with the divide between Chuck world and spy world. And Sarah comforts him and says that Ellie probably would have helped the guy whether or not Chuck had the intersect. Chuck's a little bit comforted by this. Then Sarah says, I'm a little worried about our cover. I think it's time for us to make love. And we get a really good scene of Chuck kind of just like choking. He chokes hard. He does choke hard. It was funny. I laughed hard uh, during this because uh, she just comes out and just says, I think it's time for us to make love. And he just, he probably almost did a spit take with the coffee. Yep. Um, we get a little bit of information from my love Beckman. We find out that my super was a CIA scientist or something who designed a skeleton key, a skeleton key for all the government's nuclear codes or something. Um, she, Beckman, sends Sarah and Casey to try to find the codes, so they're doing that. We get the craziest twist of the episode, which is that Harry Tang has a wife, and then the twist immediately becomes terrible, and all of it is terrible, and I also didn't want to take notes about this. I just have everything written in red. I was just very upset. Chris, take it away. As a straight white male, what's wrong with this scene? Tang's wife uh, is also Asian American, but she is portrayed in a way that uh, uses a lot of very outdated and offensive uh, stereotypes towards Asian Americans. Yes. Specifically Asian American women. And it is so incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, who let that happen. It was so bad. It was so bad. And she never has a name. She's never referred to by name. And she doesn't have, there's no like redeeming, there's not like she needs to be redeemed or anything, but there's like no other scene where she's less animated or less of a stereotype. It's just oh. that one scene and it's really bad. Shockingly bad. Um, I don't really want to go into this plot at all, but just to uh, explain things that happen later. Morgan is supposed to help Harry's wife pick out a gift for Harry. Jeff and Lester are following and recording their every move because they say it will give them leverage one day. And that's all I'm going to say about that for now. Lou comes back to the nerd herd to get her phone, which has been fixed. So that's great for her. I'm so happy for her that the technology that she had that was broken was fixed in a painless manner. She gives Chuck a hug and brings him a sandwich, which is something that I would do if anyone would fix my computer. Um, it's really sweet. Less sweet is that Chuck apparently went through her phone and comments on stuff. 
Um, I don't think you're supposed to do that, but he does. Wait, he... Well, you're saying that he comments on some of the things that he sees in the phone. He doesn't yeah. go through it. Okay. Well, yeah. he doesn't go through it in front of her, but he clearly has gone through it, or at he, least, like... He may have just saw it uploading somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that was kind of weird. It was kind of weird, but she's she's into it. But, yeah, um, she named the sandwich after him. Yeah. But she says, you really saved my ass. And Chuck says, you have the mouth of a trucker, which it's primetime television. I don't really think anyone has the mouth of a trucker, but like that wasn't really that bad. Uh, Chuck is a family show, not unlike this particular show. I don't think they said sex at all. Did they say sex at all in the actual episode? I feel like it was all innuendos. and like, No, it's all like make love, do it. Right. Someone saying ass on Chuck is, uh, is pretty filthy. That's fair. All right. Um, Chuck and Lou start flirting again, and there's a scene that was so awkward that I actually had to pause it and leave the room to regain my own composure. Um, Sarah shows up and introduces herself, and Lou asks who she is to Chuck, and Chuck is not saying, and Sarah is like, I'm his girlfriend. And it's horrible. It's just the worst. I just didn't understand it, because if I were Chuck, I'd be proclaiming it from the heavens. So I team Lou, and you're team Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want nothing to do with Lou, so yeah, I'll be team Sarah. All right. We can, we can fight about it later. We cut to Ellie, who's being interviewed by a cop, but we see the cop is actually paying. He's kind of pretending to interrogate her, but really he's just trying to track down the codes. Um, he tells her he has to take a quick photo for records and he moves her hair back and he has some kind of gadget that goes behind your ear and just like blends into your skin immediately. It was really wild, but it was kind of cool. Um, that's how he poisons people, but it's also a bug. It's like a very fancy gadget. Um, meanwhile, Sarah is doing an autopsy of my former super's dead body and she finds out that he has one of the same things behind his ear. So. Ellie has been poisoned. Creepy police officer going and touching her hair without her permission. That was... It's creepy. If you'll indulge me, what is it with all these top-secret government agents making ill-fated copies of the projects that they're working on? I feel like half of the episodes that we've seen have just been... The premise has been like, we had this guy who's a secret agent. He worked for the government, and he made a copy. Like, in the last episode with the professor, he made the copy of things like the DVD um, with the students' names. I feel like yeah. another one where it's always like, there's a copy that really does not need to exist, but without that I mean, copy, the Intersect didn't really need to exist. None of this needs to exist. Yep, that's what we're learning, I guess. I make a copy of every episode of this show, and I put it in a heart-shaped locket, and I carry it around my neck, and I walk around, and God forbid anything happens to me, but if that locket falls into the wrong hands, you know, we could be in some serious trouble. That was really sweet. That's a really sweet thing that you just said. Okay, so once again, this is you finding sweetness and innocence in something that I was saying was kind of creepy, but that's fine. And my big glass of milk. So later, uh, Chuck sees Lou in the parking lot. He runs after her. He tries to tell her that he does actually like her. Their signals didn't get crossed, whatever. Um, she asks, is Sarah his girlfriend or isn't she? And he can't tell her. So everything is kind of worse. Um, then she just straight up says, I like almost everything about you, which, okay, let's break this down. How long have they known one another? Not even how long have they known one another, but known one another existed. It's less uh, than 24 hours. Less than 24 hours. They spent speaking to each other. We've seen every minute they've been together, and this occurs at 18 minutes and five seconds into the episode. They haven't been together for that long. Maybe two to three minutes, 
total? That's a really weird thing to say to someone. She doesn't know anything about him, let alone everything. It's called love, Aaron. It's not called love. They don't know each other. She named a sandwich after him. That's true, that is love. And he went through her phone without asking. <laughs> That's also love. Uh, I think we need to have a conversation about your the the perception of love and what it means to have a positive, healthy meaning of love. That's fair. We should do that. Let's do it off mic, though. Go love yourself. Go love yourself, everyone. Um, she tells Chuck to let her know if his situation ever gets less complicated. We have a good shot of Sarah looking on, and she uh, she seems a little jealous. You know who else is jealous? Yeah, I do know who else is jealous. Why don't you tell us? The old Scoot. Scoot's working in the background, counting the cash drawer in the middle of the day like an idiot, just showing all the world how much money is in the cash drawer. You're supposed to count the cash drawer at the end of the night. You're supposed to take the cash drawer and move it to a secure location, like an office or somewhere, and count it where you're behind a locked door. You really shouldn't be doing that out in the open, let alone... But he does say the door is locked. He says that Chuck can't come in. Uh, this brings me to my next point. Why was Wienerlicious closed? It was the middle of the day. And they Maybe say, he closes in the middle of the day. Maybe. I, like, they're only open for lunch? That seems like a bad idea. I don't know. It's a weird, weird place. Um, meanwhile, going back to the hell plot, Jeff and Lester made this really badly edited video of Morgan hugging Harry's wife, and somebody just, like, voiceovers, meet me in the home theater room tomorrow night. Um, Harry is, Harry watches this and he's very upset. And I hate this. I hate all of it. This whole plot line, I don't understand why it's happening. I did no. not understand. I was like, who said meet me in the, the home theater? I was just so confused. None of it makes sense. I don't know why it's there. Chuck and Sarah decide that she has to sleep over his apartment so they can keep their cover intact. So he goes home to prepare for that. He puts on an iPod, which I could not help but notice was not playing Arcade Fire. So he lied to us. Yeah, no funeral by Arcade Fire. I did listen to one of the tracks on Funeral today, and I was like, this is so not mood music. It's mood music, but not for what Chuck thinks it's for. But he at least had the, the foresight not to put it on in the actual moment when he thinks he's about to be uh, making love. Sarah shows up. She looks absolutely incredible, I will say. She's wearing a black trench coat and her hair is curled and I would like to marry her this episode. Would you say that she has a short skirt and a long jacket? Uh, yeah, I guess I would say that. Let this happen. Um, it's really awkward because she says something like, what do you think is going to happen here tonight? And he's like, I don't know, what do you think? And then she's like, you know, I'm just like, this is just for our cover. And so she gives him crap about the candles and the music and whatever. And then she takes off her coat and she's wearing like a, a short skirt, like a negligee. And he gives her crap for giving him crap. And then they start having an old couples fight, which I didn't really think was earned. Like, they're kind of going after each other, and I have never seen anything to indicate that they have this kind of tension. I guess it's maybe implicating because they both like each other, and that's what we're supposed to take away from it. But he makes a lot of references to how she's, like, dressed like a prostitute, and I don't, I didn't like that. I wasn't, I didn't like this side of Chuck. Tensions were high. I guess so. They both didn't know what was, uh... They just found out that they were not on the same page, and uh, there was a pretty hard friend zoning going on. Did Chuck think they were actually going to have sex? Yeah, did you not think they were going to have sex? 
No, she said it was for their cover. She, she said a bunch of times, we're not sleeping together tonight before they, before this happened. I don't think she said it a bunch of times. She said it at least twice. Uh, I think we go back and check the tape. Because I was, I was like, oh, are they actually going to do this? No. No? No. Oh. No way. So Casey has a framed photo of Ronald Reagan. Just going to throw that out there. That was something I remembered um, from his home, so I'm happy that we got to see it. I don't know how I feel about it, but uh, it is some character building. He is listening to the bugs in Chuck's room, so he's listening to Chuck and Sarah fight. But Payne is back, and he's, he has the bug on Ellie, so Casey starts picking up that bug as well. Um, he realizes that someone nearby is also using a bug, so he's a little suspicious about that. Meanwhile, we have Ellie is starting to be affected by the poison, so she starts being really honest, and she has a fight with Devin. Chuck and Sarah over here, and Chuck says, we're starting to sound like them, aren't we? Which again, calm down. I thought this scene was working too hard, and I didn't understand why. Yeah, it was kind of strange, because up to this point, we've never seen Ellie or Awesome have any kind of conflict. Yeah. Chuck being like, oh no, we're starting to sound like them. I was like, what? They never fight though. They're the perfect couple. Yeah, that is, I would like to sound like them. Yeah. Um, Chuck and Sarah have a further conversation about whether or not they're allowed to see other people. Sarah says that's not really possible due to Chuck being the intersect and anyone who wanted to date him would have to be rigorously vetted um, to determine her motivations. Chuck says, wouldn't her motivation be love? which again is a huge leap. If you're just wanting to go on a first date with someone, I don't think you love them already. That's weird. I don't think you understand how soulmates work. Well, his soulmate is Lou then. I guess so. Also, can I point out that uh, Sarah says that she's only wearing the lingerie just in case Ellie or Awesome walk in? Well, they do. So she was prepared. Without that knowledge, like she just was like, oh, I'm going to wear this just in case one of the other people that lives in this house while walks in while we are seemingly having sex in the bedroom. I don't know. She was being prepared. I don't know why she like showed up in it though. I don't know why she didn't change into it. I wouldn't put it past Ellie or Awesome. I mean, we're not really clear on what the norms of their apartment are, but it seems like yeah. just walk in while, I mean, Awesome no. would be very excited because it seems like. Yeah, he wants to check. He wants to make sure. Yeah, he wants to check in, see how it's going. It's like medieval times after a wedding. They have to, like, make sure that uh, the relationship is being consummated. That's how it works. You're talking about history, right? Not the restaurant? <laughs> Either or. Um, Casey finds the poison bug on Ellie, so they bring her to the hospital. Chuck freaks out because his sister is in danger, which I thought was a really good human moment from him. Casey reveals that he's been keeping the bug in some kind of, like, soundproof box. So Chuck steals it and announces into it, found the codes, and Casey is really impressed by that, and so am I. You're doing a wonderful job, but you haven't mentioned anything about Ellie having the truth serum in her, right? I mean, I mentioned that she had it. A major thing where Ellie is, like, basically losing her mind because she keeps telling all of her innermost thoughts out, and she's in bed with Awesome, and they're just having, like, a, a normal evening and it's getting conflicted because Awesome's just trying to talk to her, but she evidently has a lot of pent-up aggression towards Awesome, and is just letting it all come out. And then Awesome's talking about how he's excited that Chuck and Sarah are finally making love because he knows how passionate of lovers the Bartowskis are, in reference to Ellie, uh, which she's not okay with because then she brings up the time that she caught his parents having sex in a jacuzzi. 
I was just gonna like skip over that to maintain the integrity of Austin's parents, but if you wanna uh, bring bring up their dirty laundry, go ahead. Well, it's a major thing because it's you up to the like we we as the audience know that Ellie was poisoned, but no one else does. So she's just behaving like this, and it's really weird, and no one knows why Ellie's doing what she's doing. And she uh, she bar she does barge into Chuck's room in what yes. is one of the weirdest transitions in editing that I've ever seen because it starts with. The previous scene, Chuck and Sarah are in the bed, and then we cut to whatever. We cut to Casey, and then we cut back into Chuck's bedroom. Chuck and Sarah are sitting up. This is seemingly like only seconds after they were lying down in bed. Ellie storms into the room, <laughs> jumps on the bed, and then proceeds to talk about how when Chuck was little, all he wanted to be when he grew up was a big boy, and now he's a big boy. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. And Ellie is losing her mind from all of the honesty that is pouring out of her. Yes. And she comments on Sarah's chest size again, second time this episode. Yeah, yeah. Really weird. Very weird. And then at this point, Chuck is concerned because now he's starting to realize that. Or Casey comes in and then they all realize that Ellie was poisoned. Sorry. I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was a, a key point. Yes. Um... Further honesty, while Ellie is sleeping in the hospital, Chuck tells her about the intersect, and it's a really nice heart-to-heart -heart moment, even though she can't hear him. He says his whole life is a lie, and then he finds the codes in her sweater. And uh, around this time, Sarah and Casey are uh, basically coping with the fact that they're going to let Ellie die, because it's better to let Ellie die than uh, get this guy the nuclear codes and they bring up the classical ethical dilemma of letting one person die. Uh, is that more noble or more uh, tolerable than letting millions of people die? It's a very uh, utilitarian, philosophical debate. What do you think? Do you think they should let Ellie die? Dude, you're putting me on the spot here with my... But I did just watch The Good Place yesterday, so I do now have a PhD in ethics. That is how that works. I don't know. I mean, things kind of work out fine how they work out. I'll just go with, like, how the episode goes. That's fine. That was the best case scenario. All right, I'll let it slide this time. Um, because Chuck kind of forced their hand, Sarah and Casey kind of come up with a little plan. So when Payne sneaks into the hospital looking for the codes, Sarah is in a brunette wig in Ellie's room pretending to be Ellie. Um, he goes, Payne goes to touch her, and she attacks him. And then Casey comes in with a gun. So they're pointing guns at him. He says that he will either trade them the antidote for the codes or he will poison all of them. But this uh, standoff becomes moot because Chuck rushes in and says he found the codes and then he bumps into pain and makes him drop the poison. So the vial that is in shatters and all the poison comes up and hits everybody. Payne runs out of there doing a very like Tom Cruise type run. Casey throws a crutch at him, which was amazing. Um, Payne drops the antidote, Sarah catches it, and gives it to Chuck. And again, we see the kind of them bringing up the results of their ethical dilemma, because she says he has to take it because he's the intersect. Um, but he wants to give it to Ellie because it is the only antidote that they have. Did you recognize Sarah when she was in the brunette wig? I mean, I guessed that it was not Ellie, and then I looked at her face and I said, oh, that's Sarah. Did you? I struggled. I thought I was coming out with face blindness because I legitimately <laughs> did not know who was in the brown wig. I mean, <laughs> it didn't really look like real hair. 
it just didn't look like Sarah at all. I thought it was, I thought it was Tang's wife. <laughs> I was like, what's Tang's wife doing in this scene? That's not nice. She's <laughs> suffered enough. Just was confused. I did not <laughs> recognize Sarah at all. And I was like, oh, that was Sarah? It's fair that you wanted Harry Tang's wife to come back because, like, she should have had a redemption arc. She should have, uh, something better should have happened to her. But <laughs> anything to give her more than just one dimension. Anything. 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 Oh, man. Oh, I'm so excited about this next part. I wrote down that I was like, oh, when they all inhaled the truth serum, I was like, oh, get ready for some serious truth serum hijinks. Like, I thought it was going to be uh, kind of like what they did in Ant Man 2. I didn't see that, so I'm just going to blink at you blankly. Anyhow, uh, and then I wrote, just kidding, no hijinks, they're all just dying. Yeah, but they, I mean, they were kind of like high. Like, Casey's looking at a spinning uh, wheelchair wheel. Chuck says a couple of things that are pretty truthful. I thought there was going to be, I thought it was going to be played out for more comic effect. I know, I did, I did too. But also, it's hard to uh, be down when the best song of all time <laughs> kicks in. Tell us what it is. This blew my mind. I was not prepared for this to be in an episode of Chalk. Toxic? Toxic by Britney Spears, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. I got so pumped up. And then so upset because they didn't play the chorus. I know. That was very disappointing. But I would it's it should really be in more shows. It was so good. Do you think I think that's I don't really like Britney Spears that much, but I, I do really like that song. I think that's my favorite Britney Spears song. That's a really good choice. I would say, I would say that, um, I'm pretty partial to, like, her, like, Oops, I Did Again kind of songs. I also like Circus a lot. There is, um, a, there is definitely a video of me in high school dancing to the song Piece of Me, and every time that I'm struggling at work, my mom sends me the song Work Bitch. I don't know if that's what the song is called. It might just be called Work. I like all of those. But Toxic, yeah, Toxic is probably one of the best. I think it's top-notch. I think it's a top-notch pop song. So it is playing while they are going to track down Payne at his home. We have a good, one of the only really good truth lines from Chuck is when he says to Sarah, God, you're so pretty, which he probably would have said anyway. But then he says to Casey, Casey, your jaw was chiseled by Michelangelo himself. It was a good line. Um, Casey is pretty happy because Sarah refers to him as her partner. Um, they get to Payne's house and he immediately hands over the antidote Chuck is not into this and says that Payne should sample it first. And I don't know why, with two government agents in the room, Chuck is the one who has to suggest this. They're all okay with it. That's what I said. I was like, really? You guys are just going to go for this? Even I know this. you don't drink the antidote when the, the bad guy is about to give it to you. Yep. Like, yeah, okay, great. Thanks for the antidote. I'm like, no, hold on. He's got to drink it too. Even yeah. then, you really shouldn't drink it because he, he could have just poured it from a different thing. Yeah. Different batches. You should just... Never accept a drink from a stranger, especially a, uh, a bad guy. Thank you for that wise advice. They beat Payne, however. Sarah shoots him in the leg or something, and everything is fine. Hell yeah. Chuck takes the opportunity of them both being drugged to ask Sarah how she actually feels about him. He asks if their relationship is going anywhere, and she says no. And Chuck is sad, and then he takes his antidote. It's in, yeah, it's pretty serious. Pretty serious. They're... Have, they have the truth serum, and they're going to tell each other the truth. And yep. that she's going to be like, yes, we do have a chance, or I do like you, but she just says no. It's a bummer. Yeah, she says no. Chuck is sad. 
I would murder with a machete the whole plot line with Harry, Harry's wife, but thankfully it's wrapping up now. He goes to the home video room the following night and finds Chuck, Sarah, and Casey having a video call with Beckman. Um, they point their guns at him, so he knows what is uh, what has been going down, more or less. Um, I think that although the plot line leading up to it was awful, I did really like the scene of Casey and Harry having a conversation, mostly because Casey is so much bigger than Harry, and they're just walking through the buy more, and it was so good. He refers to Harry as the big potato, which I don't know why everyone in this store has weird food metaphors, but maybe the writers have just, like, been like locked in a room and haven't had any food so they just keep thinking like pudding mmm potatoes mmm and they just keep keep doing it. I don't think Chuck and Sarah and Casey are really meeting about anything in particular. I, I think they were just debriefing. I thought the, the scene felt like it just was shoehorned like I think that I think that the actor who plays Tang I think his contract must have been up maybe in this episode because it feels yeah. like it was such a weird like forced way of getting Tang out of the episode when he's not even that heavily in it yeah it well i felt like they just kicked him out and they're like what are we going to do we'll have him stumble into the the spy gang meeting up and then he'll have to leave i didn't really understand their like their ultimate move because casey tells him to go to go away to hawaii and then says that they'll send him further instructions which is like really funny because harry just goes along with it but also like they're gonna they're gonna pick him up or something right like he knows he has information. Like, they can't just let him go. Well, he thinks that he's a spy, too, so he has to keep quiet. I know, but why would they trust him? Because Casey's big and scary and was intimidating him. I guess so, but he's not going to be in Hawaii. Yeah, but he also, like, they saluted each other. Like, Casey connected with Tang's sense of patriotism. Yeah, I guess so. You can't can't beat patriotism. We find out that Big Mike was having sex with Harry's wife. Uh, no. Pause. No? He was not having sex. Oh, I didn't want to say this. You don't want to say it? No. All right, well, I'll say it. Uh, Big Mike, when referring to his relationship with Tang's wife, says that he was, quote, diddling Mrs. Tang, end quote. Diddling. Don't say it again. Stop saying it. Diddling. That is the worst word. I was so uncomfortable when he said this. I would have preferred if he said some, like, gross sex thing. He still doesn't give her a name. He refers to her twice and says, Lady Tang and Mrs. Tang. The worst. Diddling. I also want to know, like, there's a picture of them clearly, like, in some kind of tropical location on the corkboard. And they flew to Hawaii that day, so I don't know why Big Mike has this up. Or why was Mike trying to buy Harry a birthday present in the first place? At the end of this episode, Ellie is clearly fine, and we see that she's fine. But what do you think she thinks happened? Uh, that's a good question. I don't, they don't really go into that. I think no. she... Maybe she thinks that the poison was contagious? Yeah, I thought, I, well, it's tough because she's a doctor, so you can't really pull a fast one on her. Yeah. You can't say, like, oh, you had food poisoning, because she would know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't uh, know. We don't get an answer to that. I don't know. Sometimes she, uh, you know? Yeah, she was in a coma. What, yeah. What did they tell her? That she, maybe she just knows that she was poisoned. She doesn't know how she got poisoned. Yeah, that's okay. Um, the episode moves on, and so do we, because Chuck goes to 
talked to Sarah and he says that when he was almost dying, he thought of a list of things he hadn't done or had a chance to say. And he says he's gonna start crossing things off. So it seems like based on the way the shot is framed and just like the moment and the music and everything, it seems like he's gonna kiss her, but then he breaks up with her. And she's clearly really sad about this. And it really hurt me in my heart, but I just thought she could have just said no. They had a big discussion about how they have to be together for cover. She could have just been like, no. I guess because she likes him, she's just crushed. I also don't feel like Sarah has a lot of experience navigating these kinds of relationships. Like, I think just because she's a spy and she knows a lot of spy stuff, I think maybe as a, like, in the area of relationships, she's, like, kind of stunted and also doesn't really know how to proceed as confidently. I think that's what the show would posit. Yeah. But we do find out something amazing which is that she was trained to withstand that drug. So she was not poisoned. She did not have like the truth. Um, she did not have to tell the truth when he asked if their relationship was real. So she was lying. And we know, I mean, we get the hint, she loves him. We find the truth. Yes. Um, something I wasn't sure about this, like it brought up some questions though, because why, why wasn't Payne, the guy using this poison, also immune to it? Why wasn't Casey immune to it? Why was it just Sarah? Casey could have been immune to it, too. We don't know. That's true, but he, he wasn't, because he had to drink. I, I mean, I guess he could have been, um, but, I mean, that brought up questions, but it was a really good moment, so. Well, Sarah didn't say that she was immune to it. She just knew, knew how to withstand the truth serum part. Like, she could have still died. Okay. I wasn't, I, I had questions about exactly that, but that's, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, the episode ends when Chuck goes to Lou's gourmet sandwich shop and asks her out. Apparently no one in the show has to do work while they're at their jobs because she just gives them a sandwich and sits right down. Um, and Sarah looks on and she's sad. And that's how it ends. So, so sad. I feel so bad for Sarah. I know, it is, it is sad. She did, like, she did good in this episode, mostly. Yeah, she just, she, I, you know, she has... She wants to have a normal relationship, and her job is just preventing her from doing that. That's true. Always getting in the way. And by her job, I mean Scooter. Scooter getting up all in the closet, you know, opening the door when they're making out, having a quick make-out sesh, having a quick diddle. I'm not speaking to you until this episode is over. You can do the rest by yourself. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, all right. Well, on that note, I guess we'll take a break as I try to convince Aaron to join me for the last part of the episode where we wrap up a few things, discuss our final thoughts, put this this puzzle piece together with the rest of the larger puzzle we have assembled. I don't know what that means. Stick around. We'll be right back. That's right. We're back. Act three, episode eight. Go Chuck yourself. Chuck versus the truth. And what a battle it is. I am joined now by Erin, the underdog queen of the nerds herself. I convinced her to uh to finish the episode with me where we where we stand after this episode ends who knows maybe this is the last episode Aaron seems very upset with me so we'll continue on with this act uh so I'm gonna take a quick breather and I will pass it over to Aaron Arata for interesting information with Aaron so we talked a little bit about the use of the song Toxic in this episode. And of course, I have been talking the whole time about how awesome the music in Chuck is. I wanted to take a little opportunity to appreciate the woman behind that music. The supervisor, 
for the show is Alexandra Patsavas, and you can thank her for a lot of wonderful music choices, such as those in Grey's Anatomy, John Tucker Must Die, The O.C., all of the films in The Twilight Saga, Gossip Girl, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, which is the one with the best music, uh, Mad Men, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Supernatural, Riverdale, and Runaways, and a lot of other things, but these are the ones that I was interested in. And this is her career? She's a music supervisor. That's a job that you can have. That's amazing. Yeah, it's the probably the best job. You just get to listen to music all day and be like, I like this song, I want to put this song in the movie? It's probably more complicated than that. She is in a couple documentaries where she talks about it, so maybe you should watch those and get a better idea. Yeah, I would, I would do that. I think uh, if you want to know who's responsible for the time that Veronica Lodge walked down the aisle of her confirmation singing Bittersweet Symphony, it might be Alexandra. It might not be. She might have not had control over that one, but she was supervising the rest of the music in Riverdale, so thanks. Oh, that was a, a Riverdale reference. Yeah. You should watch Riverdale. Go Riverdale yourself. You kids in your Riverdale and your... Go Archie yourself. Go Jughead yourself. Go Betty yourself. That one's not as good. But Betty is very good. Yet another fantastic installment of interesting information with Aaron. You're, it's really, it's picked up since you moved to California. Really just being that close to show business is really, you really just know so much more now. I do. I just absorb everything. I definitely, um, I'm pretty sure I found out that Music Supervisor was a thing from Gossip Girl, because I think I saw her name in the credits, and that was what, like, I wanted that to be my job for a really long time. And so I would listen to a ton of music, and I'd be like, this is going to be perfect for a scene where this thing happens. But it was not to be. Thank you, Erin. That was great. Our next segment is called Chuck, Mary Kill. It's when we identify one part of this episode, episode eight of Chuck, Chuck versus the Truth, that we would like to wed in holy matrimony and another part of this episode that as Aaron had said earlier she would like to murder with a machete let's start with the Mary Aaron what would you like to marry in this episode so when Chuck Sarah and Casey show up at Payne's apartment at the end Payne yells out who's there and Chuck says the NSA the CIA and me and I really love that line and I love the delivery and it made me smile so that's it that's what I would say if someone asked who was at their door as a a quick shotgun wedding right there for Aaron this week. Yep. Uh, I really liked the scenes with Honest Ellie, as perhaps suggested by the fact that I made sure to mention it during the recap. But I liked that we got to see another dimension of Awesome and Ellie's relationship, because I think on the surface, it seems like they're the perfect couple and that they're the couple that everyone aspires to be. But uh, I don't think we got, we don't really get a lot of scenes where it's just them alone. And so mm -hmm. that was really interesting that it was not only them alone, but it was Ellie uh, completely uninhibited and just sharing all of her inner thoughts, which turn out to be uh, she has some animosity towards awesome sometimes. She doesn't like that he says awesome all the time. He, she points out that if everything's awesome, that means that nothing's awesome, which is a very good point. Uh, she brings up the, the part about his parents making love in a hot tub. Um, and she says some other things and she's just kind of, you know, she's not putting up with it anymore. So I liked where she was still, she was being honest, but she was still kind of with it uh, when she got kind of uh, more loose than it got kind of sad and kind of scary, like when she burst into Chuck's room. But uh, I guess so I wouldn't necessarily marry Ellie, but I liked this scene this week. That's, that was very thoughtful. Thank you for sharing. And what would you kill? Um, do we have the same kill this week? I don't 
I don't actually think so. I think you uh, you are incorrect about mine. So why don't you tell us what yours is first? Okay, well, I would kill the Morgan Tang, Big Mike, Mrs. Tang plotline. Yeah, it's really bad. I would, I mean, I mentioned that during my recap because it is not my kill kill, but okay. I, um, I would also get rid of that. Okay. I, I mean, you did say you would kill it in the episode, so that's why yes. I thought. But Asian stereotypes aside, like, even without that, like, it just, it, the, it doesn't make sense. Like I said, I think it, I, it feels like it was shoehorned into the episode. Like, it wasn't supposed to be a part of this, but that they needed a, either, like, a B plot line or they needed a reason to write out Tang. So they came up with this thing. I just thought it was bizarre that like when Tang stumbles across the whole spy gang, he's there by himself in the buy more. There's no one else there. Well, he was trying to he was trying to confront his wife and Morgan. No, I know, but it seems strange that they like in this plot line where Jeff and Lester are present kind of and Morgan's kind of present. Like I feel like they could have done a version of that where they're all there for that. I don't know why Jeff and Lester, I don't know what their game was. I don't know what their game was. I didn't think it was funny. A lot of the stuff is really creepy. Obviously the um, Mrs. Tang was portrayed in a way that was so mind bogglingly not great. So that whole thing, I thought the episode could go. And then it ends the cherry on top is big Mike saying that he diddled Mrs. Tang diddled no no stop to recap chuck will they will not say like sex on the show as far as i can tell they'll say making love and then they'll say diddled diddled is better than just saying sex just calling it what it is could could just say intercourse so bad it's really bad what seems to be the pg-13 diddling which arguably sounds a lot worse than pg-13 anyhow i rest my case I would, um, I will piggyback off of that and say that I would kill those things as well, but um, for this specific episode, for me, when Devin is being really weird and stupid at the sushi place um, about Sarah and Chuck not having sex, he says, you're joined at the hip, but that's not where you're supposed to be joined, which is not quite the word that will not be named, but uh, it's really gross for a lot of reasons. And I didn't, um, I really like Devin, so I did not like any of the things that he was saying, but specifically that, because, you know, there are a lot of other places that you're supposed to be joined, like in your heart, Chris. Oh, so earlier you don't believe in love, but now you believe in love? I don't believe in love immediately, but I do believe in love. It wasn't immediate. It was within three minutes. All right, fair enough. They listened to the length of... Toxic by Britney Spears in its entirety, chorus and all, and then she named a sandwich after him, and the rest is history. All right. But yeah, I agree. Uh, this was a, a weird run for for Devin because usually he seems like a really cool guy. Yep, it was a weird, weird, weird episode for him. Weird episode. Weird episode. Um, so that is, as it is every week, a natural transition to our final segment of the show. Does it hold up? Where we identify. Uh, or not identify, but we we discuss whether or not we think this episode of Chuck holds up, if we liked it. Erin, do you want to start? I would love to start. I am going to have a first for me here on Go Chuck Yourself. Um, I think that this episode, I really, really enjoyed parts of it. I think that the Lou plotline was really interesting. I think that the Sarah plotline was really interesting. Um, I thought that there were a lot of good parts of it, but I think that the parts of this episode that didn't hold up were so bad that they kind of brought the rest of the episode down. 
Um, I think that if I were to receive this in a writer's room or an editor's room or wherever, I don't think it should have gotten as far as it did. And I think that with improvements, it could definitely hold up to modern viewings. And I think that I would, I mean, I'm still going to keep watching because the interesting through lines in this episode are still true, but I do not think that the episode as a whole, including all the really bad elements, did hold up. So no, I don't. I respect that. I, I see that completely. I, I had put that. I do think that it holds up, or I don't know if it holds up. I Objectively, it does not hold up. Did I enjoy it? I said yes, just because like you had said, I think at the beginning of the episode that it was kind of like a uh, like a car crash. Did you say that or no? I think I said that we are like a car crash. Oh, I'm but sorry. I- okay. You were referring to us. Yeah, yeah, we're absolutely a car crash. But I thought that this episode was also a car crash, but it was like a car crash that you couldn't stop watching. So I did enjoy it to that extent. And also, like you said, uh, the the plot line with Sarah and we kind of get the, the truth about Sarah a little bit is obviously a good hook to come back, but. Yeah, so you heard it here first. So Erin had her first no. Erin said no, does not hold up. That's exciting. I remember when I said no last week. <laughs> really a changed man. Yeah, we're gonna have to tally it up because I've, I've said all yeses. Have you had other no's? I only had last week was a no. All right. Race to the top. We had, uh, we're both pretty flexible right now. We're both pretty easygoing. You gotta do pretty stupid shit for us to say, no, we don't like it. But they did this episode. What do, you, do you have any final words for our listeners, Aaron? Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, your loyal patronage. We are happy to have you here on Go Check Yourself. I'm sorry that my, my cat hasn't been around to uh, scratch the microphone recently, but he is, he is with us all in our hearts. And please go have a tall glass of oat milk on me or for me. I don't know. One of those things. Well, that was as uncomfortable as I was predicting it would be. I love it for go chuck yourself and for go touch yourself. My name is Chris Gillespie. Remember, food is sexy. And I'm Erin Arata telling you, as always, that anything is possible. Even me saying no, an episode doesn't hold up. That's right. Anything is possible. Just Two people talking through a computer and recording it, and then other people on other computers listen in. Everybody dies eventually. All right, have a good night. Bye. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.